0: Hello and welcome to Bubby Brister's Brunch Buddies, your go-to show for football history, analysis, and general sports information on the Cowboys, Washington football team, and Seattle Mariners on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm Harry Gollin here with Andrew Pearson. As always. Today, Andrew and I are going to be covering the matchup between the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. Additionally, we're going to cover the zombie-esque Mariners season post the Boston series, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, let's dive into the matchup. So we're, fa- we're seeing uh, the Jets and the Broncos, right, Andrew?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the Broncos lead this all-time series 21 to 16 with one tie. And the one time the teams played in the playoffs, Denver secured the victory. So I think it's fair to say that they kind of have been in the driver's seat of this matchup historically. But let's examine that one tie, because it's actually a surprisingly interesting game. So, Andrew, picture in your mind. It's a tie. It's a tie football game played on October 26th, 1963. What do you think the score was?
1: Uh, It's a 60s game, so it's probably like, I don't know, 14 to 6 or something like that. Well, but it's the tie. Oh, you said it was a tie. It's a tie. Oh, it's probably like 3-3, dude. It was 35-35. I know, I know. 1963?
0: 1963. So, yeah, a little bit of a trip there. Yeah, so uh, before we get into the game, it's actually worth mentioning that this was a reasonably important year for the Jets. First of all, this was the fourth season of the franchise, but their first one under the Jets name. So there you go. And this is also their last season in the polo grounds as their home stadium. They would move to Shea Stadium. Next year. So, a little bit of a fact there for you. And actually, Denver had an interesting season themselves. They were putrid, where the Jets were simply bad. Denver went 2 11 and 1, while New York went 5 8 and 1 over the entire season. So, you know, only the best. (laughs) Only the best. But Denver actually set the record for most passing touchdowns allowed by a defense 40 in a single season. That wouldn't be broken. Until the end, do you know this, Andrew? I actually don't. Okay, I'll give you a hint. It was in 2015.
1: Who Who do you think? Who was the worst pass defense in 2015? In Uh,
0: 2015, good question.
1: Well, you're not like smiling ear to ear, so it's not the Cowboys. It's not
0: the Cowboys.
1: Uh, I feel like it was probably the Browns or something.
0: No, it's the Saints. This was during the year when they were these were the years they were wasting Breeze.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is the year he, he snapped and he's like This is the year Drew <laughs> Breeze snapped at the media he's like, This will never happen again. I will un- <laughs> I will never allow this a season of this putrid defense to ever allow to ever happen again, you know, for the sake of New Orleans. And then after that they went on like this massive they that, that continued until last year. This massive yeah. winning streak.
0: Except in the playoffs.
1: Except in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about that.
0: Anyway, but let's let's actually examine the game. Denver struck first with a throw from quarterback Mickey Slaughter. Top-notch name. Hitting Lionel Taylor. But Jets quarterback, Dick Wood, despite early problems getting the offense going, lofted a 37-yard bomb to Don Maynard. After that... Uh, after a Dick Christie TD run for the Jets late in the first quarter, the teams would trade TDs in the second quarter. So heading into the locker room, the Broncos were up 21 to 14, but Mickey Slaughter wouldn't rest. And he hit Bob Scarpito and then uh, Bob Scarpito for a touchdown and then also Lionel Taylor. Excuse me. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's why I'm thrown off. It was the Jets who were leading 21 to 14. All these old names are getting me mixed up. The point is the Jets were winning, then two touchdowns, two quick touchdowns from the Broncos, flip that score to 28-21. But Dick Woods stood tall, finding Maynard and then hitting D. Mackey. With time uh, running out, the Broncos gave Donnie Stone the ball, and Andrew, wouldn't you know it, he dashed in to tie it.
1: Absolutely. Now, what a, what a now, legend.
0: And Andrew, after this really exciting game between two pretty bad teams, well, it just had to have an epic finish, right? Of course, it did. They just lay down and died, and they came into the <laughs> tie. <laughs> so that's all there. So, a shockingly good game for a battle of mediocre and abysmal, but an anticlimactic ending nonetheless.
1: I mean, just a really deflating performance at the end there. Just yeah. not not exactly finishing strong.
0: Indeed. But let's examine some of the names because this is where half the fun is for these old games: is examining the guys who were here. So, Lionel Taylor this year, despite an absolutely abysmal sport, a supporting cast in Denver, racked up seventy-eight catches. Ooh! Not only that, he's actually the first receiver to catch one hundred passes in a single season and rack up a thousand yards receiving.
1: I mean, not only that, but he he was getting these passes in the sixties.
0: Yeah. And also from Mickey Slaughter. No disrespect, Mickey, but like he's no Bubby. No bubby. exactly. But you know what? Despite being an inaugural uh member of Denver's Ring of Fame, I hate to say it, Andrew. We've got a new Hall of Fame snub person. It's oh not just Mark no. Mosley. They Lionel Taylor is, according to his Wikipedia article, not in the pro football hall of fame.
1: No. But he's in but he's in the he he is a yeah, he's in the Denver ring of Is it ring of honor yeah. or ring of fame?
0: Ring of fame is for the Denver one.
1: Yeah, because I know for the Cowboys, it's ring of honor. Yeah, well, for the the Cowboys, got to be cringy about everything. Oh, I bet. Watch the Washington <laughs> one also be the ring of honor. Well,
0: uh, Washington football team ring of honor. It
1: is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay when my team does it, Andrew. That's rule number one. <laughs> All right. Anyway, not only is, was he snubbed for his excellent playing career, he was actually a very successful assistant coach on the Steelers, well, some of the Iron Curtain years. So he's apparently, according to a Sports Illustrated article, never once been considered. Are you which kidding me? Seems hard to believe. He did play in the AFL. But it's worth mentioning that AFL, the top AFL receiver, consistently outperformed the top NFL receiver when they were separate leagues. So he so was the when best. When was the relie- merger? 68
1: it was one of the 60 years
0: it was 60s but this was pre-merger uh but he was the best receiver he was the best professional football receiver in the world for a couple of years there and the fact that he hasn't even gotten any consideration seems a little galling
1: i know what what a just not even getting a single recognition either that's so odd
0: strange but let's talk about Mickey Slaughter. So that was the Denver QB throwing to Lionel Taylor. Now, to be honest, his NFL career was not exactly star-studded. He actually still holds the rookie record for most interceptions in a single game by a Broncos rookie QB with five against the Houston Oilers. So
1: That's such a specific stat.
0: Yeah, but five interceptions in a single game.
1: That is pretty bad. (laughs) Especially
0: when this was back in the 60s. They would pull quarterbacks in the 60s. Yeah, they quick hooks. So he was in there to lose it. (laughs) I don't know. In it to win it, more like in it to lose it. Because they They, really just left him
1: to die, man.
0: Yeah. And this was a rookie, too. But in fairness, he was actually pretty good at Louisiana Tech. And after getting a master's in business administration, he took a job as an assistant for the football team at his alma mater and actually ended up coaching Terry Bradshaw. It's pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Also, Pat Tilley who you may remember as a pretty excellent receiver for the Cardinals um, back in the day, mm-hmm. around the same time as Terry Bradshaw. And this is real, Andrew. He also coached Phil Robertson of Tuck Dynasty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's pretty cool. That, so yeah, That he, actually is pretty cool.
0: So he, he coached some important people. And to sort of round out our examination of big players in this game, we've got Dick Wood, the Jets QB. He was actually a pretty good coach. He worked notably with Randall Cunningham, uh, and that was good, right? He was a good coach, well regarded as a player. So
1: was he? Was he a quarterbacks coach, or yeah? yeah. Okay. Uh,
0: but admittedly, he didn't. He didn't have the most star-studded play uh, playing career. But he did, interestingly, participate in two major firsts. He was the first quarterback to throw a touchdown at Shea Stadium, mm-hmm. right? And secondly, he was actually on the first Dolphins team ever. So, on the inaugura-
1: On the inaugural series Inaugural season. There we go. Got it out. Yeah.
0: hmm But, folks, what are we asking? Where's Where's Bubby in all of this? Where is he? Patience. Patience. All right. Number one, Bubby actually was a backup quarterback for the Jets in 95, and he was famously John Elway's backup in the late nineties for the Broncos. So he's connected to both teams, but Bubby played the jets once with Denver, but he only came in relief. He only threw five passes and it wasn't a very good game. So it's not really worth talking about. Um, He came in, in relief of Brian Greasy who went 15 for 31. So (laughs) it was, it was one of those games, but let's, let's talk about this, uh, the last game that I'm going to look at for the Broncos and the jets historically. All right. So, it's November 5th, 2005. The Jets are led by another show favorite, Vinny Testaverde. Uh but they're facing off against the tragically bubblyless Brian Greasy Led Broncos. Well, what happens? They lose. Uh Thanks to Terrell Davis and Greasy, the Broncos jump out to a 17 to nothing lead midway through the second quarter.
1: And what year is this again? Oh, 2000 2000, so this would have been the first year without Elway, right? Was this the first or the second year without Elway?
0: It was 99, the first year without Elway, or was... Well, Elway retired on top, but I can't remember if he won 99. No, he didn't win 99, No, he won
1: 98, right?
0: So then that means it was the second year post.
1: Yes, yes, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. This would have been when when TD just started getting, you know, season-ending injuries pretty much every year.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But they were up seventeen to nothing, and despite Curtis Martin, despite Kurt, uh, Curtis Martin's efforts, they were the Jets were still down big heading into the end of halftime. But Vinny, he came out firing, connected with Anthony Beck, and another field goal brought the Jets even at twenty with Denver. Kind of a collapse from Denver, considering it wasn't even the fourth quarter and they were tied twenty all.
1: And this would despite... have been the Bill Parcells led Jets, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Parcells. Curtis Martin, Wonder Boy himself.
0: That's right. Unfortunately for uh Jets fans, Denver snuck in a kick of their own to get to regain the lead 23-20. And Brian Greasy would hit Ed McCaffrey for McCaffrey's second T D of the game. And a late Jets field goal didn't close the gap. So the Jets fell thirty to twenty
1: three. Fun fact, folks, Ed McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey's father. So
0: Yeah, really? Really?
1: Yeah, that, that is true.
0: Better than Christian McCaffrey. Hot take. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Ed McCaffrey's career stats, to be honest.
1: It's okay. It's okay. It's okay.
0: Well, wow. what is it with second-generation NFL players, man? They've just gotten big recently, you know?
1: I know. Like, Antoine Winfield Jr., Joe Horn Jr. Or, no, not Joe Horn Jr. It was, uh... uh, what, what, was, uh what was Joe Horn Jr.? JC Horn. Yeah. JC Horn. JC Horn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Sertain. then Asante, and Sam, Asante Samuel Jr. Patrick yeah. Sertain the second, right? It's not Jr. It's the second. Patrick yeah. Patrick Sertain the sequel. Number two.
0: It's still not on the Cowboys.
1: <sighs> watch, him, watch him be on the Cowboys, but it's super late career. <laughs> He's a safety now. <laughs> Jerry Jones will be like, I'm finally deciding to invest in defense. <laughs>
0: It'll, but it won't be jerry it'll be like it'll be like it'll jerry be steven rolled out it'll be steven. No, it'll, no jerry will be on like it'll be rolled out by steven to like officially sign all the declarations jerry no will... no it'll it'll be jerry's brain in a tank hooked up to a robot <laughs> like mother brain just he's like i'll never relinquish the control of the cowboys
1: I'm still a very hands-on general manager.
0: (laughs) I'm more hands-on than most owners in the NFL, and I don't even have hands.
1: (laughs) Jerry Jones Uh, would be 95, just cryogenic, his body cryogenically frozen.
0: It's like, unfreeze when we win the Super Bowl. Stays frozen forever. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Man, poor... I would say I sympathize with Jerry Jones, but I really don't. I mean, honestly... Well, okay, Andrew. Genuine mm-hmm. question here:
1: mm-hmm.
0: How good are the Cowboys
1: this year? Well, we're kind of we're kind of segwaying here away from the Jets and the well, Broncos. Well, it's but... a
0: quick tangent. I don't think we need to. We don't need like a, a, a super. Huge oh, I, use, oh, I could intense. make. I could make this. I know movie. you could. I know you can. Folks, keep your ears peeled on the radio. We will occasionally go live uh, during certain hours of the day. So sometimes you, if you missed it, we did a Tua Tagovailoa hit piece. I think uh, you
1: mean constructive criticism, Harry. Did
0: you tell him what he could do better, or did you just say he was bad? I think we only said he was bad.
1: Uh, uh Don't worry about it. Don't worry <laughs> don't about it. And then what was
0: the <laughs> other one we did? Uh, we we went over some of the games that happened just this past week.
1: I think so, uh, yeah.
0: But but just a quick tangent, Andrew. Are the Cowboys good? Like, rating them from a are scale they,
1: Like Are they actually are they, good?
0: Like, from Jaguars at the top to, I mean, at the bottom to you know your your chiefs chiefs ish tier at the top and then probably like a mid-tier team like uh the panthers No, the panthers are a little no 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 this. no like um like the cardinals we'll be... like yeah hey, cardinals titans something like that um, i would put
1: them a little like one or two spots under the cardinals and the titans right now okay
0: so sort of like slightly below average
1: like no like slight like slightly above average in definitely slightly can, above average like Actually, I okay. think I think a perfect way to rank would be wherever the Chargers are, put them right next to the Chargers. Uh, who, I think who the they... Chargers are a better
0: team. They have a defense, oh, like a good defense.
1: Yeah, but uh, the Cowboys just have a better offense. So.
0: Yeah, but Justin Herbert's probably a better quarterback than Dak. So.
1: Um. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, probably. but that remains to be seen. I just want to see him do it for a few more weeks, and then I'll mm-hmm, be ready mm-hmm. to. I'll be ready. To yeah, move.
0: well, if we're talking about like stocks on Ryan to the moon, Taylor Heineke to the moon, baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the best. Be,
1: he is the best backup in the. He's going to be the best backup. He's backup the best the quarter. He's
0: going to be the best quarterback in the league. Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, who? Aaron Rodgers, who's that old guy? Taylor Heineke is going to be an unstoppable force in this year's playoffs. After we win the division. Right? Seven That's and nine one. again, fifteen and one. Okay, not gonna lose again, <laughs> and it's gonna be all because of Taylor Heineke. And then they're gonna get to the. Then they're gonna play Tom Brady in the NFC Championship. Tom Brady is gonna pass for like five hundred yards, but Taylor Heineke will pass for a thousand yards <laughs> in a single game. Uh, and Terry McLaurin will catch three hundred of them, and then we get to the Super Bowl, and it will be somehow simultaneously against the Chiefs and the Bills, and he will beat them both. <laughs> At the same time. At the same time. I mean, they're going to have, like, 22 men on the field, and Taylor still he's still, still going to win, you know? Anyways, folks. Anyway, anyway, that's a tangent.
1: That's a tangent. Bringing it back, bringing it back, in this
0: matchup of the best the NFL has to offer, Broncos-Jets, what are we looking at, Andrew?
1: Oh, oh, boy. This is, uh, This is going to be a doozy. So, I do think the Jets, um are definitely in the bottom tier of teams that are you can pretty much write them off for the year. Um, it was really interesting to see last week. I, ha- I had a lot of faith in Zach Wilson, and I still do. Um, but last week was very, very Bro. ugly. Uh, <laughs> you know, one or two of those picks weren't his fault, but he threw four of them, and some of them were really, really bad. It was... Um, it wasn't fun. It, w- it can we take it... a moment to
0: remember our fallen comrades, Zach Wilson's pride. Yeah, number one. I mean, there, geez. there it went. There's, you know, he. You know what I'll say? He's pulling in Sharon Kelnick. Oh my, he is. When you think about relative sample size for how long the season is, Kelnick had what? How many at bats? I mean, he was up there, like his over 39 streak was 39 at bats. Yeah, I mean, once if he plays around three four games, he'll be at the Kelnick sample size relative to the length of the season. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I yeah, I mean, so Zach Wilson, he has he has a wonderful arm. I think he's a really smart uh, quarterback. Reads the reads the field really well. Oddly, really good pocket presence. He showed that in game one um, against the Panthers. It's just that last week he just got bullied. He got bullied. <laughs> he he was he was seeing ghosts. And um, I mean, you gotta you gotta. You gotta Bill you gotta, Belichick dominates rookie quarterback. You gotta you got you, <laughs> you, you gotta understand. Bill Belichick loves young QBs so much, you'd think he'd, um, actually, yeah, I'm not going to say that joke, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop myself. Before, okay. like, all right. I think, you can okay. tell how, I think you can tell where that one was going, Harry.
0: Yeah, and, real uh, quick, yeah, though. we're,
1: we're going to stop that there.
0: Real quick, before, before we get too far, I just wanted to point out, right, that, um, there was this, like, well, there was the classic welcome to the NFL moment in the in week one, where Zach Wilson, like, held the ball for, like, five seconds too long, blind side, hit. By
1: Brian Burns, who came yeah. in
0: unblocked. Uh, jets
1: was... moment.
0: Jets moment. <laughs> it's like Adam Gase. He's not really
1: gone. He's still with us. The ghost of Adam Gase is still around on the Jets. Giving Pop... people rabies. Foaming at the mouth. Just... <laughs> Just fighting <laughs> quarterbacks whenever they get sacked. Yep. And anyways, Start. anyways, folks, mm-hmm. anyways, um, I do still believe in Zach Wilson. I do think this offense for the jets does still have a couple of pieces. It's just that their offensive line is so bad right now. Uh, they really don't have anybody, especially now that McKay Becton at left tackle is now hurt for another, probably another four weeks. So it'll probably be yep. out another month. Um, and the defense for um, the defense for for the just I actually think it's a little underrated. I think it's pretty solid. I think it's a solid defense um, but here's the problem folks they're going up against probably the best roster in the league and I would actually bite people on this. I really do believe that the Broncos have the best roster in the league right now like uh, roster roster like okay Sands the quarterback position
0: that's not a really big qualification
1: Says the quarterback. Be like, position. I'm the most
0: handsome man in the world if you don't count my head <laughs> like okay
1: but um they they really I really do think they have one of the best no players. they have a very good roster though. it's it's a great roster the defense it's it's deep at almost every position uh great interior line great edge rushers. though the Bradley Chubb did just get hurt unfortunately uh but von Miller looks looks like he looks close to what he used to be. Uh, that, that secondary yep. is on another level. It, they, you know, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertain, Ronald Darby. Um, and they had, they, they had another one. They had one of the Fuller brothers. They had one of the, well, brothers. it
0: wouldn't be Kendall cause we have Kendall. So it'd be Kyle.
1: Yeah. It'd be Kyle Fuller. Just the secondary is on another level of good. Uh, the only one that really competes is new England's and, uh, Guess who Zach Wilson just played? New England. So <laughs> it's just the this roster is too talented for the Broncos for them not to win. I do think this is a winnable game for the Jets, but I just don't see it happening. Um, it's not gonna be it's gonna be another ugly game for the Jets. At least that that would be my prediction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I feel like the Broncos are not as good as you know, they're people, made out to be. People
1: want them to be really good because they, because yeah. Trevor, or uh, Trevor, Teddy Bridgewater uh, Ted, is Teddy, very likable. He, he's just such a good story that. And he's a
0: good quarterback. I mean, he's I not he's like, good, but great, but he's, he's good.
1: He, um, it's just the thing is, is that people really, really want the Broncos to be, you know, already considered Super Bowl contenders because they really like Teddy Bridgewater and the story that he brings. It's just that, folks, they played the Giants. And the what the what shouldn't Jaguars. be what shouldn't be a professional football team an
0: actual college team actual with college, a college coach
1: actual college team. By the way, uh, Urban Meyer, head coach of the current head coach of the Jets, not only is he already been linked to the opening head coach offer at USC, so there, uh. there's that. He's already been linked to that. We're, not we're, to be
0: that guy but if you didn't see this one coming i mean i'm sorry
1: we're about to have another bobby petrino moment in the nfl but um not only is he being linked to the to to usc he uh, apparently talked to uh denver coach vic Vangio uh when they when they played last week and apparently urban meyer said oh my gosh it's it's like playing alabama every week in the nfl Oh my, he did not. He did. He did not. He, he, he absolutely did. This came out today.
0: That's horrible. I can't believe he would ever say that. That is just, that's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for Urban Meyer that he would say such a stupid thing.
1: Oh, he's like playing Bella, Alabama every week. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, These wow.
0: professional football teams are better than the college teams. who Who'da thunk it, Urban?
1: wow Like uh, my team my team isn't just inherently more talented than everybody else
0: that's actually a really interesting point right is that the best college coaches are not necessarily the best pure coaches it's a lot about recruiting and such whereas in the nfl when you're a head coach in many ways it's kind of the talent that you have you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: the actual like there's no there's no gimme game in the nfl uh but I can go on. We, we will we will probably go live at some point and rant about how much we hate Urban Meyer in the NFL. But that's...
1: The Urban Meyer experiment has already failed, I'll be it's quite true. honest.
0: But I wanted to get back to your point about the Broncos. And I think that, honestly, I agree with you fundamentally. The Broncos are not in that upper echelon of teams. Not so yet. The... And Not yet. No, not yet. They'll beat the Jets because the Jets are terrible.
1: Yeah.
0: If they lose, it'll be either because Zach Wilson plays out of his mind or something goes horribly wrong. But more interestingly, as I think the Broncos are a good representation of a team that is good for football and good for sports in general, because what we've seen recently has been the development by recently. I mean, the past few decades has been the proliferation of tanking, right? Mm. And tanking sucks. Objectively. Anyone who tells you tanking is good. Doesn't like sports. They might looking like looking at rosters, they might like the idea of winning, but they don't like sports. And the Broncos are an excellent example of a team that is not necessarily there. They don't have the uh, they don't have the quarterback piece, right? But yeah. that doesn't mean that they lay down and just tanked until they got a really good quarterback. And honestly, I think if you compare, for example, the Jets and the Broncos, you get kind of an interesting comparison, right? Mm-hmm. The Jets went in and tanked right mm-hmm. the Broncos did not the Broncos are in a pretty good situation overall they're a good not great team with a viable chance at a wild card if things break their way and you can plug any decent potential young quarterback in there and expect good results you know what I mean
1: yeah just expect you them look to not blow up
0: exactly so Unless even Teddy Drew Bridgewater <laughs> we're not gonna talk about Drew Locke uh but, but the point being that Teddy Bridgewater is a bridge quarterback but the but there's no pressure on them to have to find a franchise savior but if you compare that with the jets then one of the biggest problems with the jets is that remember when sam Darnold was going to save the franchise and there just wasn't the talent around him
1: mm-hmm.
0: and now we're seeing the same thing happen again with zach wilson and this is what tanking does it forces fans to watch bad teams play bad football baseball whatever and it ruins young talent by throwing them out to the wolves. You know, it's not even a baptism by fire because a baptism implies that they're not being thrown into the swimming pool. You know what I mean? Like, they, it's just, it's terrible. It's not even and the I think swimming the pool, Broncos, the
1: actual but ocean.
0: But like, not just the ocean. It's like the middle of the ocean, like the Mariana Trench,
1: you know? Like literally the Bermuda Triangle. They're just, <laughs> oh, just tossing them in there. It's
0: like playing Bama every week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but, but really,
0: I, I, the Broncos are good for sports. And I, I really like the Broncos. And of the teams in the AFC, they're probably one of my top teams in the AFC this year because I want to see. Because the way they have built their team is a way that is good for football because they haven't just tanked really aggressively. And I hope it pays off for them.
1: And I, and I like to build off that point a little bit because what you've seen with the Broncos is that ever since Peyton Manning left, they've pretty much constantly had a bridge quarterback in there. But in doing so, yeah, they've used those draft picks not on quarterbacks, but on pieces that have built this excellent roster that we've been talking about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they they obviously did I think they did the right thing back in oh my gosh, twenty nineteen now, when they threw they threw their dart at Drew Locke because yeah. you know, high upside high physical upside quarterback, maybe he can make this really good roster work. Obviously now we're seeing, you know, it didn't work. Because Drew Lock sucks, but uh, I I think that is a really good way to build a football team. Mm-hmm. And you compare that with how the Jets and uh, the Jaguars and uh, what will have probably eventually happen with the Lions and all these teams that are tanking super hard. You'll notice that sure they get the quarterback prospect prospect that's supposed to be their savior, but they have nothing around them because all of their top draft picks are used on that on that you know hopeful quarterback position and then they kind of right. either screw up the rest of the draft or if they actually draft right well then you get the Kansas City Chiefs right, right. if I, I think the way the Jets are trying to build is obviously the more the higher upside way way to build a football team but it's also a much more volatile way to build the team because if you get your golden goose, but you also screw up your golden goose, well, now you're looking like what, the 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 twenty tens Colts? That's what right. you're looking like? Where you had Andrew, Andrew Luck. Andrew Oof. Luck just get battered behind a bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what you're doing there. And I really do believe Andrew Luck would have been a Hall of Famer if he hadn't gotten hurt so bad. I really do believe that. Because Oh, I believe it. You played yes, so well. He was he was on a different level. I mean, it's just it's frustrating. Now I do object on specifically the Jets case because uh, I do think they're starting to build a little more. The the gate. Let me put it this way: I think Zach Wilson has a better chance than Sam Darnold because when Sam Sam Darnold went in there, there was genuinely nothing there. Now mm-hmm. that Zach Wilson's well, in there, Le'Veon he, Bell, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, elite he let's see what Zach Wilson has. He has Corey Davis, who has actually been very good. Um, who, who was, who was a really solid receiver that they brought in through free agency from, from the Titans. Uh, they brought yeah. in Elijah Moore, another wide receiver to give him something. Um, who, who's a really good playmaker They're They have building blocks on defense like Quinn and Williams and uh, CJ Mosley, who hasn't played in like two or three years. And they also have Marcus May and they have a lot of underrated young corners as well that I kind of like. Uh, not only that, but they have Forenzo and in, in the interior line. They have, what I'm trying to say here, folks, is that they they, they have building blocks. Uh, I don't think this, this will be the Jets of old, but obviously they are years away from being contenders. And I don't know. Um, they, to kind of bring it all back, I don't think they're going to win this week.
0: Nope, I don't think they are. And I think that people I think people simultaneously under and overrate the Broncos because I think that they're clearly overrated in reaction to their first two wins. But I think there's a degree of overcompensation where people are exaggerating how much the regression is going to be, because frankly, they're not going to blow out teams, but they're going to hang with teams. And honestly, that's all you can ask. And if they get lucky, they can reasonably expect to beat, like like the Raiders are a good team, but this Broncos team could beat them. Not saying they will, but they're they're in that range. You know what I mean? It yeah. wouldn't be a total shocker.
1: It's there. I think the Broncos this year are going to be that really scrappy team. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to play. Except the difference is that normally with scrappy teams, it's with rosters that aren't particularly talented. Like let's say the Dolphins of last year, or uh, right even Washington last year, just really scrappy. We teams. had heart. <laughs> we had heart. We exactly. did, but, unlike but the,
0: the, the heartless Cowboys who just collapsed, folded like a cheap suit in the rain once oh, Dak Prescott went down.
1: But but that my overall point is normally these scrappy teams are only scrappy teams because they're really well coached and they have like one or two playmakers and they rely on, you know, really young guys to, to step up yeah. and, you know, people you wouldn't expect to step up to actually step up and, you know... Be better than the sum of their parts is what I'm trying to say, and the difference is that this Broncos team, outside, again outside of that quarterback's position, it's genuinely genuinely one of the most talented teams in the league, which normally these scrappy teams aren't. And I really, I really do think that uh Teddy Bridgewater, I think he maybe maybe his best football really is to come. That there's yeah. a, there is a possibility that that happens and clearly i think we're seeing that teddy start, starting teddy b was the best choice for the broncos this year because if, if drew lock had been in there i really he he might have blown one of those two games i'll be honest. oh yeah mm-hmm
0: sorry drew lock i feel like you're getting kind of roughed up verbally here but i know it's... i don't
1: I, I it's like i don't hate drew lock as a person all right he's not good we're we're gonna put that out in the air uh wait wait
0: wait. andrew andrew you're staking your life on the broncos winning a game against the Chiefs. who do you take drew lock or paxton lynch
1: oh my god (laughs) (laughs) i would i yeah i think i'd take drew lock then yeah at least he's stuck at least he's a backup (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at least he's a backup, and also Paxton Paxton Lynch was a first round pick, and he almost he, he pretty much didn't play. So, uh, so Drew Lock gets a point in in that regard.
0: I guess, but anyway, yeah. So that is a, that is that sums up our thoughts on the Broncos and the Jets. Uh, so let's just real quick run through some Mariner stuff. So it was a pretty depressing show. Uh, on the Mariners last week, but the Mariners in typical 2021 Mariners fashion said, what if we started playing really well after we blew the season? <laughs> so they're actually, they have, they won the series two to three against the Royals. And then they managed to, they've now taken three straight from Oakland going for a four game sweep uh, tomorrow, midday. It'll be the middle of the day because it's a day game in Oakland.
1: Actually, it'll be of uh, when they're, when the folks are listening, It'll oh be, that's true it'll, it'll be today that's true that's again, true i'm on again we, we record always this we al- wednesday night we we always have to mention that we record these on wednesday nights
0: that's true that's true well once baseball season's over it won't be as much of a problem because baseball's really the one that throws me off but yes by the time our show rolls around it should be over barring extra innings or a really slow game i guess it could run i mean but it'd have to be a slower game. but anyway yeah uh it'll be certainly interesting uh no neither the blue jays nor the yankees who are the two teams ahead of us have collapsed so we're still two and a half games back but we're playing well hanging tough and i mean we're not likely to make the playoffs but never the game still the game still matter and we've secured a winning record now which is far far above what projection systems had for us uh there's no other way to say this other than the games are still mattering. The team is still overperforming and it's still a lot of fun to watch. They had a pretty commanding, I believe it was four to one victory just uh the, tonight, Wednesday night, but it'll be yesterday for the folks listening. Uh so I think what you're really seeing here is a team that has a lot of fight in it. You know, they're 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 very likable. They're a scrappy young team. Speaking of scrappy, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Chris Flexen has been an absolute rock and completely pleasant surprise for the team, right? Mm-hmm. He comes over. First of all, he, he comes up with the Mets is no good. He goes to Korea for a year, revitalizes his career. And then he comes over Stateside as sort of a take a flyer on him, right? Mm-hmm. He turns out to be really good. And he's been arguably, he's probably been the most reliable starter on the team and arguably the best. Well, with tonight's win for Flexen he secured a 690 winning percentage which is actually really impressive when you consider all things considered you know
1: i mean it is it, just a really nice performance from chris flexen you know somebody did the the super scrappy you know let's let's just let, let's just take this it, it's like an undrafted it's like when it, when un, when an undrafted running back really hits in football where you just take a flyer on, on some talent that you think is a bit overlooked, and they end up being good. It's like James Robinson, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they still drafted Etienne, so, you know.
1: But he also got hurt for the season, so it didn't oh, even matter.
0: God. Urban Meyer really ruins everything, doesn't he? I,
1: I, are... We always end up circling back to Urban Meyer, don't we?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's weird to talk about, like, Seattle Mariners overperforming and well run organization. This is not a normal thing for the Mariners. Usually they're either underperforming or they're performing exactly as expected and it's really poorly because the organization is just on a terrible job. But for once, the Mariners are actually, there's reason for optimism, you know? Um, So the Mariners are going to play that last game against Oakland, which they will have played likely by the time this airs. And then they will move to the Angels. For Friday Saturday Sunday take a day a travel day and then come home to play the A's again the the app that's right the A's again for Monday Tuesday Wednesday rest day Friday Saturday Sunday against the Angels to close out the season at this point with what is it how many games left I mean that's that's about 10 games left Uh, it's 10 games left yeah I mean, 10 games left, two and a half games back, it would have to take, it would take a minor miracle. Well, miracle's a strong word. It would take a significant amount of luck, especially because we still have two teams to leapfrog. We have to leapfrog the Jays, who were two games back from, and then the Yankees, who were two and a half games back from.
1: And in the the process, we would be leapfrogging the uh, A's as well.
0: We just leapfrogged the A's last night. It's worth mentioning. I mean, we it's worth mentioning the A's are not really a concern because either we beat the A's and they're not a concern or we don't and we don't have a chance. Mm-hmm. So we completely control the A's destiny. But regardless, um, it's not a pretty high probability thing, but it's exciting to be there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's definitely worth going to. We'll see. We'll see just how much the Mariners can make can make it count if they can finish off the A's here. And especially if they can rack up some easy wins against a bad Angels team that just got eliminated. Which, speaking of, Shohei Otani hit his 45th home run What on the game that the Angels got eliminated from playoff contention. And if there's not a more Lo- Anaheim Angels sentence than that, I don't know it. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm serious, though. It's like... I don't know how they can waste so many generational talents. It's it's amazing. It's actually it, astounding.
1: It it really makes me angry to, to see such waste. To see such apathy and you know, just sitting on your hands, sitting on your chair, not doing anything. I how old's Mike Trout now? Is he is he 30? He's like 32 now, right? Yeah, he's
0: a little he's a little over 30.
1: Mike Trout's over 30 now Shohei's probably like what 28 he's uh,
0: he's like 27 I think but yeah
1: 27 28 he's
0: in his prime
1: he's in his prime but for how much longer
0: well we're gonna find out
1: exactly you're at this point folks uh, especially because with with the only two way player in Shohei Otani um, who you gotta question the longevity when you're when you're playing two way um, you got to wonder how long these two, these two really great angels are going to last. You got to wonder.
0: I I just really feel like it's what's striking to me is that they drafted all pitchers in the MLB draft this past year, which is just really funny as an overcorrection to years of not being able to cultivate any pitching depth in the organization but it just represents how poorly run the angels are. They're run as a team that kind of quixotically decides to get to, to be good, but they're a perfect example of how just spending money isn't enough. You know,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: they will go for all these big free agent signings, but they don't understand that to win, especially in baseball, you can't, you honestly cannot just bring in good free agents. You have to have a deep organization and, and, no effort has been made on that front.
1: I mean, I think to kind of build off that, uh, fans, fans, so often when their when they're teams, you know, aren't winning enough, right? Right. They just say, why doesn't this team just spend money? Why are, they, why are these guys so cheap? Why are these guys never going out and getting free agents to build? That's a
0: Mariners moment, to be clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Why are the guys never going out, getting free agents, and building around our core? We don't get it. Yeah. The Angels are a prime example of a team that did that and just doesn't get it right. You get stuck with frustrating mediocrity with Mm -hmm. a good but never good enough team when you just spend money. Because you you gotta understand, you need to have... have at least a mediocre farm system. You need to have some level of depth if you want to win in the MLB, and maybe right. spend a little bit of money to supplement that. But you can't just build a team around, you know, around your high-priced free agents.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Andrew. And I think that that's where we. I think that's really where the the most the, the bluntest point of this whole affair is, which is that what the weird thing about baseball is that. If you really want to, you can essentially be a good team forever. Look no further than the Dodgers, who are a well-run organization that invest in their minor leaguers, draft smartly, and also pay a lot of money for free agents. Because they're willing to run a high payroll, while also basically because they're willing to pay a lot of money for good performance at the major league level, they don't have to trade prospects for those contributors later down the line. So they've essentially been able to maintain a constant drip feed of young talent to take the place of older, more expensive talent. So if you're willing to run a high payroll and you have the coaching staff and the innovation and the willingness to spend at every level in the organization, you can be good. But the Angels are just different from many others. Also, the Angels are infamous for having some of the worst abuses in terms of feeding their minor league players absolute crap and not paying for their housing so that it's actually they actually lose money on homestands. Did you see that one?
1: Oh, oh we're going to get into how terrible the the a- the Angels are with their minor league system. And then they
0: also like kind of were the their team doctor kind of led to Tyler Skaggs addiction which then he overdosed. So the organization is somewhat complicit in killing a man by certain standards. So like listen, they're, the they're also are... the,
1: they're also the organization, I don't know if it was a doctor or a trainer that Uh, really elevated the really escalated the situation with the whole sticky stuff scandal. That's
0: right. That's right. He had the best stuff. Um, Really. It's wild. I don't know what else to say. The angels are an absolutely terrible organization, but unlike many other teams where the what's stopping them from being good is not spending money at the, at sort of the big level, the angels are willing to spend money, but only at the major league level and they won't invest later down. And so inevitably, it doesn't pay off they don't get that kind of feed of talent
1: they still have justin upton
0: yeah they do yeah it's not really it's not a great situation to be in if you're an angels fan i mean i almost feel bad for them
1: almost almost almost
0: Almost. but yeah that's that's kind of where that's where baseball is it's certainly better than for to be a Mariners fan then a lot of other teams. By the way, you see Adolis Garcia had a pretty excellent throw from center field. Ooh, did he? Yeah,
1: yeah. I I do love me some Adolis. He'll probably get traded next year.
0: Well, he may or may not. I mean, that's a little may that's a little not. fatalistic.
1: See, here's the thing, Harry. Whenever whenever the Rangers get a good player and they they decide not to build sure. around him, he's gone. Uh-huh. It's like 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 Joey Gallo.
0: He's goner than Joey Gallo. Which, speaking of, you got benched by the Yankees. Jeez,
1: it's because all his friends are in Texas, man. He doesn't all like his... it. He doesn't like it there.
0: Well, he kind of wanted to be traded, reportedly. So,
1: no, he re- no. Reportedly, he wanted to stay. Reportedly... well, he wanted to
0: stay to be paid money and play on a good team, which. The Rangers was like, no, you're going to the Yankees, son.
1: We're, they got he got traded for a bunch of peanuts, man. Yeah,
0: not really. The Yankees, as usual, buy surprisingly low. But hey, they also benefit a lot from the New York media hype machine, which hypes up all their prospects, so mm-hmm. they can usually oversell on their prospects. But yeah, uh, just not not a great situation. I don't believe. But hey you know look on the bright side answer you can cheer for the mariners
1: the mariners have officially become my uh, surrogate team
0: yeah surrogate my, my, team my, until... my
1: my foster team
0: they're like um they're your stepdad at this point i think <laughs> you know they've adopted you because you had such a deadbeat he traded <laughs> your older sibling joey <laughs> just gone uh, yeah i sent joey to new york your name's not gonna come back
1: <laughs> wow send him to the glue factory
0: I mean, honestly, you know, but hey, you know, you can cheer for the Mariners and they can be good. And then maybe when the Rangers become good in 2078, you know, then you can then you can go back to being a Rangers fan, you know, (laughs) I
1: I genuinely believe I may never see the the Rangers make another World Series. I might I might never see it again.
0: It's a little it's a little hard to
1: say that. I get it. Yeah.
0: But at the same time, if any organization was going to botch it outside of the Mariners, it feels like the Rangers are pretty high up there. You know,
1: I know that's the thing, and that dude—that's one of my—that's one of my—that uh, might just be my earliest sports memory, actually. The the twenty eleven and twenty ten World Series. That's yeah, that really is it. Because I know... we never really watched the Cowboys growing up. We watched the Rangers, right? And uh, and it was always my brother who right watch him right so i'd watch it like passingly every once in a while but mm. i i still remember 2011 20 the 2010 and 2011 uh world series very well it was uh yeah it was bizarre it was it's quite the uh quite it was a painful
0: yeah painful experience for a rangers fan oh yeah uh, I, as usual the cardinals are beneficiaries of fluky luck in the playoffs of course the cardinals Doing their, I, this doing their necromancy
1: happens. as per usual. What do you expect? They're the Cardinals. Honestly,
0: some of the most obnoxious fans, you know? For real, man. Like, they are... I, I think the biggest thing is that St. Louis really does not have... Um,
1: Any other I, sports teams?
0: Well, they have the Blues, who have been good recently, but they don't have the history. And, and they then used the to The Rams have... left them, so...
1: Oh, did you see there? The I think Stan Kroenke in the NFL just lost a suit. Um, I think s- s- the city of St. Louis was suing them for uh for moving the Rams, and they wanted the case dismissed, and they did. In the uh the judge denied it.
0: I'm shocked, horrified. I refuse to believe. <laughs> I'm no good, Lord Kroenke. I mean, someone should just take him and span us out back. You know what I mean?
1: Dude, watch, and educate watch.
0: them I, and educate them out back and educate. them.
1: You know, I wonder what would happen if they lost that case to the, the Ram just kind of have to awkwardly move back to their college dorm. Is that where they need to go?
0: I don't know, man. It is just not great. But what can we say? It's weird that my teams are not the worst run in football. I mean, the Washington football team is still very poorly run but not on the football level just on the everything else level (laughs) and the mariners are legitimately well run and they 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 brought in um i can't remember her name but she was a really experienced executive like on the business side to replace Mm -hmm. sigma male kevin mather who just insulted everybody um she however had a lot of success driving up attendance and working with fans so She's not, she's not involved on the baseball side. That's going to be all Jerry now, but that's pretty good. Cause Jerry, I think has been pretty good as a pretty good GM. She's very good at her job. So frankly, the Mariners are looking pretty good.
1: I know it's uh, it's very weird. It's very, it's a very weird feeling of hope in Seattle. Uh, not, obviously not applying to the Seahawks, but, uh, but.
0: Oh, well, the Seahawks are just
1: Seahawks are so frustrating. Uh, and, and I guess we could, we could end the show off this, just make it quick. Um, yeah. All right. Well, can, can we just give like our, our quick two cents on why we hate the Seahawks?
0: Yeah. Okay. I hate the Seahawks because it's twofold. One, I grew up in Seattle when the Seahawks were really good while not being a Seahawks fans. And it was very obnoxious, especially because no one showed up for Mariners games, even though the Mariners were my team, but everyone showed up for Seahawks games are not my team but i think the main reason i hate the seahawks at this point is because they're not good they don't draft well they're poorly run organization that gets away with it because they can coast on russell wilson's talent and that's frustrating to me and i feel like i've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on this organization for the past five years
1: and it just hasn't happened yet
0: i mean no i'm careful now after that by that loss to the titans you know i'm not saying it's over or anything but if there was a turning point
1: see so here here's the thing about about the Seahawks. they'll they do this thing where or at least this year, especially like the last two or three years, um, they just have a, a bare bones borderline talentless defense with Bobby <laughs> Wagner and Jamal Adams and that's it. Um, they really have very little to no talent across the board on the rest of that defense. And the, offense, the offensive line still isn't that great. So I don't understand what Seattle's just complete refusal to build an O-line for Russell Wilson has been. I still don't understand it. I don't it,
0: absolutely it, have to. So
1: I won't. <laughs> it's just they, the Seahawks are a team that lean on their playmakers but have little to no depth. And yeah. it's frustrating because... You keep waiting for the talent to screw up. And they did. They they did on the last couple of drives in that Titans game where they just shut out. It was pretty rough. They just got they just laid down and died because oh I I can't I can't throw to Tyler Lockett, you know, fifty yards downfield today. Oh no. Which they Is did Russell with...
0: Wilson the worst quarterback in football? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Inquiring that... <laughs> Minds want to know. All oh, I'm gonna say. If I had to bet my life on a game, would I take Taylor Heineke or Russell
1: Wilson? I think we all know the answer to that one.
0: Bubby Brister.
1: Bubby Brister is absolutely the answer. On that note. On that note. Thank
0: you so much for listening to this episode of Bubby's Brunch Buddies. Hope you've gained, you've enjoyed and gained a new perspective on this season, on this upcoming game. Or at least gained some more Bubby Brister
1: trivia. Thanks again for listening. Have a great evening, and we hope to catch you next time.